When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal opening us up here as Chris Schmidt on the road out toward Champaign. And uh, because Chris is on the road towards Champaign, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently to open the show today. So we got a couple of interviews uh, to lead off the show. We're going to be talking with Matthew Stevens of Illini Guys sitting down to preview uh, the Illinois team here in just a second. But first, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. We welcome in with the sporting news, Bill Bender with us at BillBender92 on Twitter is where you follow him, and he's kind of a must-read and listen to when it comes to college football. Bill, are, are you still smiling? I mean, we, we are here, man. It's week zero, and it's Nebraska, Illinois, and so much on the docket for this season. How are you? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited as anybody, you know, that we get uh, get going, get to have some football this weekend, have a week zero, and uh we're already getting everything ready for next week, too. So I'm super excited about football this week. You know, I want to start off. We'll get to, to Nebraska, Illinois here. But uh, when we talk about the Alliance, you and I are both big uh, Star Wars guys. Who's Darth? Who's Chewie? Who's Han? Uh, when we talk Alliance, right? Uh, the ACC, the Big Ten, the, the Pac-12. Nothing is signed. But did you like uh, what you heard and, and covered yesterday with the presser with the three commissioners? I felt like a press conference could have been a lot shorter. Um, you know, I mean, get to the point, you know, and, and just tell us what we need to know and we can move on. Um, it's obviously one of those countermeasures to what the SEC is doing. I think uh, when you have 40 schools on the same page, it's not the worst thing, uh, the scheduling part. I still think the risk of this is it could slow down how long it takes for the college football playoff to expand. And if that gets in the way of that, I'm not going to be real happy. Don't disagree with you. And this is uh, about power. This is a, a voice and a counter to the, the Texas and Oklahoma acquisition. But you have three big-time conferences, Power Fives. That's that's stronger than, than one voice. And when it comes to votes and procedures – you know, that that's that's a smart counter. I, I what I like is I think the Big Ten could have perfectly could have been perfectly fine in in rating somebody, right? They could have added members, but at least you have two to three leagues not turning into the next, you know, what's left of the Big Twelve. I, I, I like that part of it that you still have three uh, power five leagues uh, still in existence here. What do you see happening with with the rest of the, the the remaining Big Twelve? Do they get absorbed up? Do they go try and get Boise and BYU and hook up with the AAC? Take me through your thought processes as to the the remaining eight. 
Well, I mean, that's kind of, to me, going to determine what really happens. Because, I mean, it was pretty clear. It was like, did you hear uh, ACC Commissioner Phillips' uh, comments? It's like, the Big 12 matters. And he said, it goes into this speech, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, they sure matter so much that they're not in your little club here. So <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> you know, like, imagine if somebody talked to me like that, I'd be really upset. So, uh, um, my way of saying, I, I think their better bet is to maybe go look at a Boise, go look at a BYU, go look at UCF and Cincinnati and get to 12 and have a respectable conference that's kind of the king of the group of five. Mm-hmm. Because whatever playoff plan they come up with, if it's going to involve the group of five, those schools may might as well jump in on that. Unless, because with this alliance, you know, their, their two options are expand, stay put, and I guess the third option is wait for the SEC to call, and that call may never come. No, and I think the SEC is happy where they're at, and they they can continue to have a wondering eye. Their commissioner is their commissioner. You know how how do things counter with the other leagues? But from a scheduling alliance, if if you're you know drafting these these top you know matchups as a Nebraska guy. I, I think Florida State and Miami would be incredible. It wasn't that long ago Nebraska played Miami a home-and-home, home, the end of Bo's run and the, the first year of Riley. But, man, that atmosphere was incredible when Miami came to Lincoln in September. Nebraska's always had a pretty good uh, scheduling setup with the Pac-12. They've, they've had SC, you know, in recent years, uh, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. I mean, Nebraska's always tried to recruit West, so they've scheduled West. So that's that's pretty familiar. But I think uh, if you're wearing the commissioner hat here, Bill, do you do you take away a conference game, a crossover game, to add a second, or to make sure you get one from the ACC and, and one from the Pac-12 if you're the Big Ten. How do you move forward here scheduling philosophically, but while, all while trying to keep some of these uh, these matchups you've, you've already booked, people are excited for, uh, in, right. ink, in ink in front of you? Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part, is they're going to have to balance this new scheduling act and create some of those matchups, like you said. I mean, I don't know what Nebraska fan wouldn't be excited about you know, a trip to Miami, a trip to Florida State, you know, relive some of those games that they've played against those schools. Um, and that'd be fun. And it would honestly be good for the program's visibility uh, in Florida. So I think that those are some of those matchups that I'm looking forward to. Um, it's going to take a while. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me yesterday was they didn't really say much. And when they say like a handshake, or a, Handshake and looked each other in the eye. I was like, "Well, I know that's not how big business works." Um, <laughs> so there, there's definitely some cautiousness to this with how, how it could go five years from now. Well, and listen, there's there's no antitrust if it's just a, a nod and a a handshake right now because there was some murmuring of antitrust potential issues with. Um, with with these big three getting together. Bill Bender's with us. We're talking some college football. The news yesterday, of course, the the alliance uh, fighting the uh, the empire, I guess is where we can go. At Bill Bender 92 on, on Twitter is uh, where you follow and, and of course, uh, sportingnews.com. So it is Nebraska-Illinois week. 
And uh, the Big Red favored by six and a half. So, Bill, where are you at on this? Are you in line with, all right, this is uh, kind of a must win, the, the magnitude. It's an enormous game for Nebraska. Or are you a little more reserved with, with what you think you can take away from this first outing? Well, uh, you know, it, it's a big game. I think the momentum, the recent investigation, the terseness with which how Scott Frost dealt with the media this week, I mean, they, they know this is an important game because the schedule's tough after that, especially in November. You know, they're sure to show improvement and progress and all those kind of things. And, you know, everything I took away from Big Ten Media Day, you know, the, the marriage between Frost and Albert, everything there, I mean, it's an interesting story that popped up within the last month because, yeah, I think the, the pressure falls squarely on Nebraska here. It's a good story with Brett Bielema back at Illinois and all that kind of stuff, but everybody's going to watch this game with, with the intent. If Nebraska wins, it's no big deal, right? We move on to the next week. But if they lose, that's what the Twitter reaction will be. Well, and, and Scott's already gotten killed time and time again for losing games that you're not supposed to lose at Nebraska or lose when you've had X number of top 25 recruiting classes, right? And a couple of things stick out to me with this ball game. One, Nebraska's a deeper football team. Illinois has got a lot of dudes back. But if Nebraska can stay patient and just go sledgehammer and try and run the ball one through three quarters, I think you might see it pay off in the fourth quarter because of your depth. Illinois doesn't have a lot of depth on their line. Two, it's it's the, the quarterback matchup, and Adrian didn't start last year. McCaffrey was in, and that game was a brutal start for Nebraska, and the turnover fest was a reality. 11 turnovers in three games against the Illini the last three seasons. But I remember two years ago, ahead of the Ohio State game, Adrian pulled one out of the fire and, and went off, 100 yards rushing, 300 yards throwing. And then there's Peters. I know a former five-star guy, Bill, but he's a guy that they tell not to scratch the car versus asking him to go win it. I think Adrian uh, can go make some plays and be a sound decision maker. What what do you see as being some keys or the difference in Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's his game. It's, it's his season, really. I mean, he's been gone, kind of gone through an interesting career arc there in Nebraska, and I think he's the guy. I mean, I go back to Scott Frost's first game, that game against Colorado and the thriller that did was and everything that Martinez through since. I have Peters with Illinois, same deal. I mean, he's had, it seems like he's been in college football for seven years. So a couple <laughs> veteran quarterbacks going to have to make some plays. Um, I think it's four-quarter game. Then comes down to, you know, last couple drives. One of those that, like, you see, you know, that spread, it's right on target. And I think Nebraska's probably, I like them to pull out this win. not going to be easy. It's going to be a close game right down to the end. Bill Bender's with us, Sporting News, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, when you look at Nebraska and, and Adrian specifically, how do you, you characterize him? Is he a guy that, you know, what, what do you make of him? Do you think, okay, elite talent? Do you think a guy that needs to, to live up to his potential? Or do you look at a guy that, that hasn't had enough help around him? How do you, how do you label him? That's tough. I mean, you know, it's, I, I would say – typical college quarterback you know they go through the ups and downs I mean comparable to like a Bo Nix at Auburn who has made some plays and gone had some highs had some lows and has never really taken on that superstar status so 
you know, but that that's going to be the Big Ten this year. There are a lot of unproven quarterbacks. Um, C.J. Stroud will be making his first start. Uh, Michigan's got a new QB. Uh, a couple others. So I, I think, you know, Northwestern's going to roll with Hunter Johnson, Clemson transfer. So I think that's where the intrigue is in the Big Ten is some of those new quarterbacks as opposed to the guys like Murph and Morgan and some that have been around for a while. Give me a thought on, on Scott Frost in this fourth year. And you're a national guy. You see games everywhere. You've covered games everywhere. But you you know Nebraska really well uh, with also being a, a national reporter and an analyst. What, what what's your read? And I'm, I guess I'm asking the why. Why why do you think there's so much outcry towards Frost and and this year for with 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 national media? Well, I mean, because he came in undefeated, savior, very similar to Jim Harbaugh. And I think the difference is Harbaugh's won a little bit at Michigan. You know, he had them on the doorstep of Big Ten championship twice, at, at least in the Big Ten East. Uh, you haven't seen that immediate turnaround. I mean, the, almost the worst thing that Scott Frost did was turn around UCF so quick. I think they were 6-7 and seven in his first season, and they went undefeated by his second year. So we kind of anticipated a quick turnaround in the same vein, and it just hasn't happened. I still think he's the guy because I think if it doesn't work with him, you're going to have that same question that Michigan might have to answer, that Tennessee's had to answer, that it's like, Okay, if this dude can't do it, who can? And then you really got to take a, a serious self-evaluation of your program at that point. Well, you can't keep hitting reset. You got to stick with somebody, but there's also got to be progress. There's an interesting dynamic there. Bill Bender's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Sporting News, sportingnews.com, at BillBender92. So NFL's not far around the corner. I got to ask you, do you have a lucky Packers shirt you wear? <laughs> uh, I have a couple. I, I mean, I used to have a, a strict, you know, I wore this one for home games, wore this one for road games, but I kind of haven't won a Super Bowl in a decade, so I kind of just wear whichever one's sitting around. Um, you know, but but you'd be happy to know, you know, my son, Grant, we've talked about him a few times on the show. He's 10 years old. He started uh, five, six tackle football this year, and I was so proud when he picked 17 because uh, – not only does he know Devontae's his favorite player, I think he didn't pick 12 because he knows this might be the last year we have Rogers. <laughs> That's funny. I love the youth football. Junior, my kid started freshman ball, okay? And this is great. This phone call I got from my checking with him, you know, between hour one and hour two of the show just to make sure that, you know, the dogs aren't roaming free and there's the house hidden on fire and, hey, how was practice, yada, yada, yada. And... Junior doesn't swear, you know, but he he let one drop. He's like, yeah, we were scrimmaging, and they ran that bleeping jet sweep on me, and I I, I got I didn't have contain, and they took it to the house. How many times will Brett Bielema, for old times' sake, run the jet sweep on Nebraska Saturday? Uh, you know, I think we'll see that play. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it, like I said, it is. I'm just excited that you know I think we have the early game Saturday morning. I'll be able to come home, sit, watch that game enjoy some college football, and um, go from there. I mean, it leads right into week one, Chris, where we've got five ranked matchups, full scale, full slate. It's going to feel good to watch it on Labor Day weekend. And uh, actually, yeah, that is Labor Day weekend. So we're going to enjoy that and it's going to feel like a normal college football season. I hope we can keep it that way. You've got incredible matchups, man. you got Penn State at Wisconsin. you got Bama, Miami for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Indiana, Iowa. 
uh, Louisiana's at, at Texas. So you, and, of course, you got Clemson and Georgia. Last thought, Bill, is that Clemson-Georgia game an elimination game, or is there plenty of time? Well, uh, I think... For, for, uh, for a playoff, I mean, Clemson, I think it's, you know... Well, uh, you know, Clemson-Georgia, it's not an elimination game, but it puts so much pressure on the loser to go perfect from there. Like, I think if Clemson loses and goes 12-1, and one, they're good. they'd be a playoff candidate, but... But that's one of those weird ones, Chris, because let's say Georgia goes 11-2 and two and Clemson goes 12-1. and one. Right. Would the committee put – you know what I mean? So I, it's just like for those of us who love the card table, um, <laughs> it's the first big hand. You want to win the first big hand because I believe the winner of that game will probably be ranked number one in the first college football playoff rankings in November. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Bill, we'll do this again. We'll probably check in with you after that uh, incredible first weekend of games. And always appreciate you jumping on today. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks for having me on. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Nebraska, Illinois, set to go on Saturday. We welcome in Matthew Stevens, as he's an analyst uh, with the Fighting Illini. Illini underscore guys is where you can follow uh, them on Twitter at Matthew C. Stevens for Matthew on Twitter. Matthew, nice to spend time with you to talk some college football. How's your week been? Not bad. You guys staying cool over there in Nebraska? (laughs) You know, the, the uh, humidity's around oh, 74%, temperature's at 99 The front yard is toast, man. Yeah, we don't have much green grass over here either uh, in, in our neighborhood, so I hear you on that one. But uh, eagerly anticipating some, uh, some, some excitement come Friday and Saturday, trust no, me. For sure. And, you know, what's, what's your gauge here on, on Coach Bielema? What's his expectation? What, let's just look, look at big picture here. What's what's Brett supposed to do, to do in Champaign? We're talking year one, or are we talking big picture, like well, start, three four years down the road? Start year one, and then let's let's zoom out. So you go back to the history of this program, and year one has not been real successful for Illinois coaches. You go back to, you know, Levy was uh, I think three and nine. Tim Beckman was two and ten. Ron Turner, going all the way back to Ron Turner, he was zero and eleven. I think Ron Zook was two and two and nine. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of uh, you know predetermined excitement for a high win total in 2021 for Brett Bielema the Illini, and that's only just because this group just really hasn't produced anything. And I don't think Levy Smith forgot how to coach the minute he showed up in Champaign-Urbana. So um, that's. That's kind of where I, I sit with it. I think the fans are a little bit more excited than I am simply because this roster has 22 super seniors on it, the most of any Power 5 conference program in America, and they're hoping that that experience in those 22- and 23-year-olds on that football field, most of which there will be starting for the Illini, can provide some veteran leadership and provide you know some big boy football that, that Brett Bielan was going to want to provide and then maybe get that to a potential six-win total so they – you know, there's a postseason possibility, and and you have the start of potentially kind of like what Jeff Brom had at Purdue, where you're winning six, seven games your first couple of years. There's some excitement around the program, and you can build from there. But 
but uh, I, I don't have that anticipation. But I, but I know that there are a lot of Illini fans, especially on our message board, the Illini guys that have that have that excitement right now. You know, Saturday is such a, a big ball game for Scott Frost in Nebraska. Can they get off on the right foot? Can they get some momentum? And that's evaded this program. And you got uh, kind of the, the the chosen one slash son coming home, so to speak, to try and resuscitate or resurrect the program. And it, things have not gone to plan as you head into year four. What's what? What do you anticipate the atmosphere being like Saturday at high noon? Is it going to be hostile? Is it going to be cranked up? What what can you kind of gauge from the fan base? Well, I think it's going to be the most packed that Memorial Stadium has been in quite a while here in Champaign. And, and the reason I say that is, is there is an excitement around Brett Bielema. There is an excitement around potentially uh, a, a previously experienced college football coach coming in here and having a plan and being able to execute it. Uh, that hasn't really happened around here. Essentially, since John Makovic took over, he even showed up from the NFL. So, the, the idea that, that, that Illinois fans have something to hold out hope for is a guy that has, you know, been to the Rose Bowl at Wisconsin and been to multiple bowl games, three straight at Nebraska, even at Arkansas. And so that's, that's kind of where this program sits right now is that I, I think they, they want to see competent football. They want to see Illinois not get, you know, completely rolled over against Western Division competition, which has happened the last few years and the last, I would say, at least two coaching administrations. And they, they want to see progress because, I, I guys, I tend to be of the opinion that the, the most damage that has been ever done to the Illini football program was done by one Timothy Beckman. I don't think this program still has recovered because Lovey tried to play a bunch of kids early on and it just didn't work, and the program got worse and worse and worse. And finally, when those kids were ready to play, everybody was just so apathetic about the program that finally when they did go 6-6 six and six and went to a bowl game, it really wasn't even that exciting. So, um, And then you mix in the idea that for the first time in at least a year, there will be more than just parents in the stands. And I, I do think Illinois is looking to get a boost, especially early in this ball game on Saturday from the – what I believe will be 55, potentially even you know close to 60,000 people in the stands at that Memorial Stadium in Champaign-Urbana, which is, which has not been the the norm around the Lovey Smith, the Tim Beckman, and even the late Ron Zook era. Matthew Stevens with us here on Hale Varsity Radios with Illini guys out in Champaign. And uh, if Illinois had uh, Tim Beckman, Nebraska had Mike Riley. Very similar stories there in terms of uh, what happened to the program in the times after their uh, their departures. Um, but, Matt, what I want to ask you about here is uh, Brett Bielema's offense. That's been the, the big talking point in Nebraska this week is what can we expect from the Illinois offense when they take the field on Saturday? Do you have a read on, on what this offense is going to look like? Is it going to be like what he ran at Wisconsin? I'd love to be able to tell you guys, but we've been restricted from every scrimmage and pretty much every preseason practice short of a 15-minute media window for individual work. So I would anticipate there's going to be a lot of similarities to what Brett did at Wisconsin and then at what he did at Arkansas. My intrigue for this game, quite frankly, guys, is that I have read reports, and you guys are happy to – I'd be love if you guys would correct me if I'm wrong on this, that – 
it seems like Scott maybe wants to slow the tempo down to avoid mistakes and turnovers and penalties. Like he, you know, it seems like he wanted to go as fast as he possibly could these last three years with the offense and, you know, mistakes and they stubbly would stub their toe on offense and that led to losses. It seems to me like from reports that I read early in the spring and then in the fall that Scott may want to slow it down and play a little bit more power football. Well, the interesting element is, is that I think Brett Bielema actually might want to run some tempo and actually <laughs> not get away from power football, but do it in a similar way to maybe Gus Malzahn did at Auburn, where you can run power football, but you can also tempo it up a lot too. And, and I, I do think that that's why when you bring in a Tony Peterson as his offensive coordinator, who he's never worked with before, there's an element to that because that's what Tony did at Appalachian State was a – you know, a, a zone read power offense that ran a lot of tempo. Um, I, I do think Illinois is going to be very, very multiple in that regard on offense, but the bread and butter, I still believe, is going to be running the football at, at Illinois and then asking Brandon Peters, the, the sixth-year quarterback um, and third-year starter, that just basically help us move the chains on third down and, and don't throw it to the other team. And that's that's what – 18 is going to be asked to do behind center, but but Illinois has a plethora of talent in the running back room, and at least four or five guys they feel like they can turn and hand a football to and have success. And I think that's that's going to be what you're going to see on Saturday. How it's going to get done, I think, is is what Brett Bielema is trying to hide. But I do think you'll see a steady dose of the run game. I, I'm just interested to see how often they huddle and maybe how often they go with tempo um, because. Brett has talked a lot, especially in the spring and early in this fall camp, about trying to adapt to 2021 college football, and, and I think you might see that on Saturday. Matthew Stevens with us, Illini guys, Hale Var City Radio, previewing Nebraska-Illinois. You know, Scott, I think, will slow it down. He's learned the hard way in the Big Ten that, all right, it's about taking care of the football and you know, finishing off a drive, and if you're behind the chains, either with a TFL or a penalty, that messes your offense up. Nebraska's been fine between the 20s. The red zone's been an issue. Now, tell me this. With the Illini defensive line, they've been super physical. I think the Illini defense, at least when they played Nebraska the last three or four years, to my memory, they've, they've pretty much beat the crap out of Nebraska. It's been uber physical. That said, how deep is your front seven if you run tempo, are you exposing them? Because I think Nebraska is going to want to line up and try and hammer the football. Well, I think it's a new defensive system with what what Brett Bielen was brought in. I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to see an odd man front for the first time mm-hmm. in quite a while of you know Illinois football. The depth on the defensive line is very very thin for Illinois, and that's okay because it's a three man front. All right. So if you go into the game with about seven guys that you feel like you can go with up there, then that's okay. It's a lot better than if they were doing the four-man front and the cover two of Lovey. That would be a major concern. Um, where they have a lot of depth, I feel like it's not all experienced depth, but its depth is is in the second level, which includes this outside linebacker position that is essentially a hybrid pass rusher. Um, what you saw last year out of guys like Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay when they had their hand in the ground, well, they're just going to do the same thing out of a two-point stance and out of a sprinter stance. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Brett Bielema was going to try to bring four or five guys to the line of scrimmage. It's going to be an odd man front. 
It's been called a 3-4. I actually think it's more of like a five-man front because that's what they're going to come with on a lot of plays and try to disrupt the Nebraska backfield and opponents' backfields that way. I believe that Illinois defensive staff, which includes four guys that have had previous experience as defensive coordinators, Brett Bielema, Ryan Walters, Kevin Kane, and Andy Boo, have decided that in order to slow down these spread option offenses that have, you know, Materialated throughout all of college football and even the Western Division of the Big Ten, you have to be able to send guys into the backfield to disrupt what they're doing, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. Uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot more aggressiveness up front in that front seven. I do think there are guys that I think can cause havoc up front, like you said in the defensive line. Keith Randolph, a kid from Bellevue um, in the St. Louis area. Is, is a kid that has gone from 270 pounds to 300 pounds to play basically the, the new defensive end slash, you know, defensive, I would say, right tackle um, of this 3-4 front. Um, you're going to see guys like Rod Perry, who was an FCS All-American at South Carolina State, line up at nose tackle. You're going to see guys like Jewel, um, John, a guy named Johnny Newton, Desarian Newton, who was a four-star prospect out of Florida, who I believe was played out of position last year at defensive tackle. They've kicked him outside the defensive end in this 3-4, and I think that's perfect for him. So I like who they have up front. It's just I wish they had a couple more bodies, and I know that you know Brett Bielema and Terrence Jamison, who's come over from Purdue to coach that defensive line, wishes they did as well. But on Saturday, I, I do think they have a rotation of about six or seven guys that they can throw out there and feel pretty good about getting in the face of Adrian Martinez and, and clogging up some holes in that run game. It's Matthew Stevens, Illini guys out in Champaign. Has been covering uh, the, the Illinois football team for a few uh, years now. Going to hold on to Matthew uh, a few more minutes with Matthew Stevens coming up after the break as we preview the Illini and a lot more coming up next hour. So we've got Brandon Vogel, Brad Edwards, uh, and Burke's best bets. That's all coming up a little bit later. Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Matthew Stevens with us here on Hale Varsity Radios with Illini guys out in Champaign. Matt, I want to ask you about uh, just the guys that Nebraska fans might not know that could make a name for themselves this year. I mean, uh, Nebraska fans know about Peters, the quarterback. I think a lot of them know about Hanson, the linebacker, and what he's been doing in the middle of that defense. But are there any guys you think Husker fans might not know now, but they'll know the name of come the end of the game on Saturday? Well, if Illinois is going to win the football game, they're going to need somebody on the outside to step up, and that's a major question mark right now. And one of those guys that I think that you're going to see Illinois try to get the football to in every way, shape, and form is a guy named Isaiah Williams. He was the backup quarterback last year, recruited by pretty much every program in the country to play defensive back or wide receiver. Illinois was the only one in the country that offered him to play quarterback, and guess what? He came to Illinois. Well, that experiment is over with, and what I, I feel like, Tony Peterson and, and Brett Bielema are going to try to get out of that young man is, is essentially a poor man's version of Rondell Moore and a poor man's version of what Ohio State tried to get out of Braxton Miller in his last season at Ohio State. He's made the move from quarterback to wide to slot wide receiver. They're going to try to get him the football as much as they can. And I do believe that Illinois has, again, a, a, a depth at running back that they feel confident with. You guys saw Chase Brown run for over 100 yards last year in Lincoln. Well, there's another Chase, Chase Hayden, who was an, who was an Arkansas recruit for Brett Bielema in 2017, transferred to East Carolina, has now transferred back to Brett Bielema at Illinois. He's right behind Chase Brown as, as the second, second tailback, and there's a third tailback named Reggie Love 
who's out of St. Louis, who's Isaiah Williams' teammate at Trinity Catholic in St. Louis. His position coach, Corey Peterson, was his high school coach at Trinity Catholic. He's going to get an opportunity to get some carries as well. So I do think you're going to have to see some guys on the outside like an Isaiah Williams, like a Brian Hightower, a guy who, who was a four-star recruit out of IMG Academy and transferred to Illinois from Miami, Florida. Um, there is a lot of guys on the outside that I think they're going to have to step up. But if, if Isaiah Williams is playing a big part and Chase Brown and Chase Hayden and Reggie Love are playing big parts, first of all, Brandon Peters is going to be happy because he doesn't have to shoulder the entire burden. And second of all, I think Illinois has got a really good chance to win that football game. All of that comes together on the offensive side. Matthew Stevens, Illini guys with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Last thought here, Matthew. What happened Saturday? What's your prediction? I think Vegas has this one pretty much pegged pretty well, which is kind of ironic for an opening game because you can usually do pretty well on opening games because nobody really knows anything, right? <laughs> but uh, I, I think the seven points is pretty good for, for what Nebraska brings. You guys might dif- differ on this in my opinion, but I have no earthly idea what Scott Frost was trying to accomplish last year at the quarterback position because I think Adrian Martinez is pretty good. And when you have confidence in that young man, I think he can actually be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. And he absolutely tore apart Illinois two years ago in, in Champaign. And I know that this defense and these defense, this defensive staff is really, really worried about him being able to do it with both his arm and his feet again this year. And, and if he gets going, I think it's going to be it's getting, Illinois is in trouble. And so, if Nebraska is going to have the season that I think that they can have, because Scott's starting to act a lot like a guy who thinks he has a pretty good football team. And my, I came away from Indianapolis guys thinking, boys, Frost thinks he's got a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, then Adrian Martinez, I think, has to have a big season. And on Saturday, guys, if Nebraska's going to win, I think he has to have a big game. But I, I'm picking Nebraska to win by six, and I, I think it's going to have a lot to do with the guy under center and, and creating a lot of big plays against a secondary uh, of Illinois that, that has a lot of holes in it, especially at safety. Well, the thing with Adrian is he'll have uh, presumably some, some better weapons around him, and that could make him look uh, a lot uh, similar to uh, to two years ago, Adrian, uh, and, and, and better than last year because he'll start. <laughs> he'll be on the field. And uh, the thing for, for Nebraska is to take care of the football. Matthew, we'll see you in Champaign. Thanks for a few minutes today. Not a good problem, guys. Have a good one. Matthew Stevens, Illini guys, football beat reporter out there in Champaign. Uh, good stuff there from Matthew Stevens as he really dove in depth into the Finding Illini and uh, didn't sugarcoat anything about that uh, Illinois team. Said uh, six wins is what he's hoping for this season when you look at what Brett Bielema uh, is turning into. And I-, I loved his quote where he said, uh, I don't think that Lovey Smith forgot how to coach a football team. Uh, and-, and that's, I mean, when I look at that, the Nebraska Illinois game from last year. Uh, they have they have a game plan. Lovey Smith did set out a uh, a good game plan, and I know Nebraska really shot themselves in the foot in that game with Luke McCaffrey's three interceptions, uh, as well as uh, two fumbles lost for Nebraska. Five turnovers in the game last season. Illinois got a short field, but just look at the uh, the rushing attempts and the rushing yards. That's that's where you start. Uh, the the talk this week for Nebraska has been established the run and set up the uh, the pass with the run and that's exactly what Illinois did against Nebraska last year 52 rushes 285 yards and uh, Brandon Peters let's not let's not discount him at all he had a, a great day 18 for 25 205 yards and two touchdowns he did what he had to do but at the end of the day it was not Brandon Peters that beat Nebraska it was the Illinois rushing attack that beat Nebraska and really Nebraska beating themselves that that's what 
my takeaway is from the game, and that's why the the keys uh, from almost everyone we've talked to this week has been Nebraska's got to take care of the football. And I agree with him. Schmidt agrees with him. Uh, that's Nebraska's key is stop the unforced errors. Uh, it's Nebraska. I mean, three interceptions from Luke McCaffrey were, were just drive killers and, and momentum killers in that game. From halftime on, I mean, you knew Nebraska was not going to win that game. It was 28-10 to 10 at half, and Nebraska just looked down and out. Uh, but Brandon Peters and, and Adrian Martinez is going to be the conversation uh, this week. Adrian's got new weapons at wide receiver, and Brandon Peters, he's in his fifth uh, college offense uh, in his sixth year at quarterback. Uh, he had three different offenses at Michigan, and now he's in his second offense at Illinois. Uh, this is a guy who has experience uh, running different systems of offense, uh, and we'll see if he can figure out the Brett Bielema system, but that's a guy I, I don't think is going to struggle with that whenever he's already had success in multiple offenses, learning new playbooks uh, and doing new things under different different. Uh, coaches. So Brandon Peters, it's a question of can he replicate his success uh, against Nebraska last season in a new offense. He was as fi- as efficient as he's ever been, 18 of 25, as I said, but 205 yards is not anything world-beating uh, against this Nebraska defense. If Nebraska can hold Brandon Peters to 205 yards passing, uh, I think that's a-, a big win for this Nebraska team. Uh, where you look at the-, where the difference was in the game last year, 285 yards rushing for Illinois. Now, Nebraska had 215. I don't think that would be a, a bad number by any means if Nebraska left the game with 215 yards rushing against Illinois. Uh, 177 yards passing, that, that's not great. But really, at the end of the day, uh, that's 400 yards of offense for the Nebraska team. Uh, and you should be scoring more than 23 points with over 400 yards of offense, which is what Nebraska had last season against Illinois. Uh, 23 points. Now, turnovers are a big problem there. But it's not like Nebraska could not move the ball against this Illinois team. Uh, it was a question of Nebraska's offense giving the defense a short field and uh, Illinois uh, capitalizing on those mistakes and 41-23 was was not as bad as the the talent differential was in that game last season. Nebraska fans seen them on Twitter this week. Uh, I've been talking to Nebraska fans in person this week, saying, "Well, Nebraska made us look bad. Uh, they they got all this experience returning, and hey, Brett Bielema is a better coach than Lovey Smith." Uh, I disagree with almost all three of those points. Brett Bielema and Levy Smith, uh, that's uh, apples to oranges, a little hard to compare. But Nebraska did not get thoroughly outplayed by this Illinois team last year. Uh, Illinois did a great job forcing turnovers. Nebraska didn't do a great job taking care of the ball. But really, on paper, the the stats, uh, Illinois outgained Nebraska by 100 yards. uh, But that's because they had over 13 more minutes of possession than Nebraska. That's that's what I'm looking at, at the end of the day is if Nebraska can play clean football, they were just as good uh, statistically as this Illinois team last year. Whenever you you discount the turnovers, and obviously you can't discount the turnovers, but if Nebraska can clean that up, uh, I, I like their chances on Saturday. Still got a lot coming up in this show as we got Chris joining us from Champaign uh, in about 30 minutes. Brandon Vogel coming up next hour. Brad Edwards. That's all on the way. It's Hill Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Thursday here on Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal. Is uh, Chris Schmidt going to reconnect with us uh, here in about, uh, well, it's next hour as uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up for you next hour. It's a loaded Thursday show. If you follow the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page, that's what uh, that's what I said 
uh, whenever I was describing this show. So we had Bill Bender leading off hour one. Bill Bender with the sporting news, one of the top voices in college football. And then uh, we had a, an extended sit down with Matthew Stevens of Illini Guys as uh, he gave us his preview of what we should expect from this Illinois team on Saturday. And still the big question mark for this Illinois team is the offense. What is this offense going to look like? Is it going to be that power run system that we saw from Brett Bielema during his time at Wisconsin, during his time at Arkansas? Uh, or is it more like uh, what his offensive coordinator ran last season at Appalachian State, which was a little bit more spread combined with that power? Uh, I know we've talked before on this show about what Matt Lubin ran during his time at Washington, where it was a lot of pistol downhill running. Uh, and what that uh, the Appalachian State team liked to do last year was uh, shift a tight end. Uh, that pre-snap motion's really been taken over the NFL. They love to, to shift a tight end into the backfield or uh, use him as a lead blocker with a pre-snap motion, kind of get a, a read for what the defense is doing, and then uh, get the players, uh, the ball, I, sh- I should say, out to the, uh, the players out in space. Uh, on the sidelines uh, whenever they had one-on-one matchups. So we'll see. Maybe it's a, a shift between those two things. I don't think it's going to be exactly like that Wisconsin offense, which was lined up in the eye formation and just jam it down your throat. I, I think it's going to be a little bit more refined than that system. Uh, but uh, still a lot of unknowns regarding that Illinois offense and really the Illinois defense too. Uh, we'll see how Nebraska responds to some different things they're going to see on Saturday. Before we get out here this hour, got to remind you uh, that there are over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before anyone else is killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. And if you drink, make sure you designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Get a ride because a DUI costs more than you think. It's a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. We've got about 90 seconds here. Uh, before we get out of here this hour, which means we could have gotten through all of Nebraska's uh, head coach Scott Frost's comments this morning. He met with the media on about five minutes on Monday and then about three minutes today. Uh, so the same theme from Scott Frost. We're not sure uh, if it's just locked in on the game, if he's tired of the media after what was reported last week. Um, but again, not much to say from Scott Frost. But we did get an announcement from the university regarding uh, a mask a statute uh, at the the stadium on Saturday, I guess whenever Fordham comes to town uh, a week from Saturday. And uh, masks highly recommended in most areas. If you're going to be taking an elevator at Memorial Stadium, you are going to be required to wear a mask. Uh, Almost everywhere else in the stadium, a mask is highly recommended, highly encouraged, but not necessarily required. Uh, It's those indoor spaces where social distancing is not uh, allowed or not... uh, possible that you're going to be forced to wear a mask uh, that includes at Devaney Center this year you're going to have to be wearing a mask um, and we'll see if the mask mandate lasts into basketball season as uh, the Delta variant has become a real concern for the people on campus I know as a university student my last semester mask mandate went into effect for us uh, so uh Masks are, are coming back. They're, I don't want to say here to stay, um, but don't be surprised if we do get a mask mandate at Memorial Stadium this year. That's just my read on it, what the university is feeling. Um, but uh, a lot more coming up next hour as we got Brad Edwards coming up after the break. Brad Edwards uh, in his book, uh, Dynasty by the Numbers, talking about Alabama. Got to talk a little about that, a little about Nebraska, Illinois. And we also have Brandon Vogel and Burke's Best Bets all coming up next hour on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it, college football around the corner. Let's talk to insider and author Brad Edwards. Brad, uh, we're a week away from Bama. Nebraska gets going, and your book is out, man. And and I tell you what, college football fans need to know about it. How uh, how are you here as we get closer to kickoff? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you know finally being able to, to see some games, and then especially for uh, for next week uh, when we get to see the. You know, the, the top 10 teams or so uh, take the field and get going. But, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time of year. And uh, like you said, my, my book is out, uh, Dynasty by the Numbers, which basically um, is giving you the perspective on how great Alabama football has been under Nick Saban. And that gives kind of the, the historical perspective of it uh, outside of the fact that they've been far and away the best team in college football over that span. And, you know, I've, I've been telling people, like, this is for Alabama fans. And I keep having people come back and say, well, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are just fans of college football, especially those who love college football history, who would enjoy this book. So with that said, if you're one of those people, um, you know, maybe check it out, BamaDynastyBook.com, and uh, maybe you would enjoy it. I'm just kind of, maybe I'm selling people short and assuming <laughs> only Alabama fans care. Well, Nebraska fans love their football history and, uh, there's a, a, a bit of a tie with Saban and Coach Osborne and Coach Osborne's staff. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities, and, and Saban's done an amazing job. But you, and you were, you were covering college football with Nebraska's run in the 90s, and, and that looked uh, really untouchable. And, and what Saban's been able to do with a lot of turnover in his staff, with people plucking his assistants, has been pretty remarkable. The way he's recruited, the way he's developed – and the clip he's been winning at. So yeah. I, think, I think Nebraska fans have, a, have quite a bit of respect for Alabama, honestly. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's the, the subtitle of the book is Why Alabama Now Owns the Greatest Decade-Plus Run in College Football History. And I, people have asked, why did you have to put decade-plus in there? Why didn't you say longest run? And my answer was because there are a few schools out there that if you took the best, you know, five, six, seven-year stretch they ever had – you could put it up against Saban's best five, six, seven-year stretch, and it would compare pretty favorably. You know, you could make a good argument, and, and Nebraska in the 90s would be one of those. Um, but when you start to get into, you know, beyond 10 years and the, the 12 or 13 years that Alabama has going now, it, it's just tough to come up with, with teams that you could even argue for up against Alabama. And so uh, that, that was kind of my uh, – my revelation, I guess, as I as I put together the book, that wasn't what I was intending for the book to be about, but it just became so evident as I was compiling it that it's like this is this is really um, one of the uh, the subplots of this of this book is you know just how unprecedented this is within college football history. A few minutes here, Brad Edwards with us, college football insider, college football author, Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, you had a a really good look at Nebraska up close in your career and still do, but also they have the national perspective. And I'd like your take here just the last few weeks. What's your, your perception here is of Nebraska coach Frost, all the national attention and not a lot of it. What's been written and what's been said, not a lot of it's really good right now. And we go, we go back, no. we go back a week with the, the announcement of the NCAA. Yeah, good luck finding the silver lining in it. And obviously it's coming at a time when Nebraska needs all the good publicity that, that they can get. Now, ultimately, the good publicity is going to come from winning. You know, you, you go out and win games and 
people forget about this kind of stuff. I, I, I really don't know. It's so hard to get a bead on the NCAA and how much teams should worry about stuff like this because they have they have really just seemed so toothless in the last few years. Like they just don't even want to enforce anything anymore. So, um, you know, whether whether this is something to really worry about, I, I don't know. It's just it's just hard to say these days. But um, you know, from the uh, the the national perspective or, or the outsider looking looking in from, you know, 30,000 feet, uh, the, the first thing that jumps out at you is, okay, it, Scott Frost has an enemy, at least at least one, somewhere within the athletic department or someone who used to work for him, uh, you know, on the football staff. Um, someone wanted this to get out there, and, and obviously uh, it, it did, and, and that's not good. Um, you know, I guess uh, what I'm about to say is really not news to a whole lot of people that are listening to this. But I, you know, I've uh, worked with Trev Alberts uh, back in uh, I don't know how many years that was, but uh, probably you know 15 plus years ago um, at ESPN for a few years. And one thing I know about Trev, I mean, Trev Trev's a fun guy, um, but he's really serious about Nebraska football. And I know that ultimately he's going to do what's best for the program. And, uh, you know, whether, uh, whether that means, you know, one more week of Scott Frost or whether it means 10 more years of Scott Frost, you know, and, and whatever the financial implications are, Trev's going to do what's best for Nebraska football. And so uh, that, that's kind of where I land on this, just knowing him the little bit that I do, is, is that, you know, that's, that's really what this comes down to as far as how serious is this, how much does it affect the, uh, you know, the long-term outlook of the program and uh, that's that's really what's going to be important Brett I, I want your personal opinion on this because it, it's important to get perspective on people who aren't in the, the Nebraska media circus if you will um, so w- when you're looking at this situation do you think that Scott Frost should be on the hot seat I mean that's what a lot of of national writers are saying um, just with what he's done in the past three years going into year four now do you think that his results should put him on on the hot seat well, I think it really depends on what the expectations are at Nebraska, you know, and, and what the expectations were when he was hired. I mean, I, look, we know the history, and uh, we, we know what the program has done, and while I know that every fan out there wants to see a return to that, um, is that what was discussed when he was hired? You know, that, that we want to be contending for national championships in I have a hard time believing that that's the way that the conversation went. I mean, sure, they would have taken it if it happened. <laughs> but I, I think it, it seemed to be a much longer-term rebuilding project at the time that he was hired. Now, look, because of what he did in, in a very short amount of time at UCF, you know, maybe people got their hopes up, but that wasn't realistic. And so, uh, you know, I, I think so often, uh, and this is not just Nebraska, this is you know, just any program around the country, um, that people love to make assumptions about job security of a coach based on what they think the expectations are. And, uh, you know, unless you know the conversation, now granted, we, you know, we have a, a change in AD here and that plays into it, but unless you know what the conversations were between the coach and the people who hired him and uh, what everyone believes is realistic, then, um, you know, then it, it, it's, it's really difficult to speculate, if not reckless, to speculate on what job security is. I realize that, you know, we're in a, a time now where no one wants to, you know, be on the air having no comment or no opinion. Um, everyone, you know, wants to, to say something, take some side. 
But that's kind of the way I look at it, is it, is it really that's what's important. And while I don't think there's any question that Nebraska people, Scott Frost at the front of the line, uh, is very disappointed with the way things have gone so far, um, I, I think we might be overstepping it just a little bit to think that, um, you know, that, that this is do or die right now. Maybe it is, but I, I think there's a good chance that, that it's not. Brad Edwards with us, Sale Varsity Radio, college football insider at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter, college football author, his book on the Bama dynasty and the run they're putting together. Uh, or did put together. It's ongoing with what Saban's doing. Yeah, uh, Brad, present and future. Yeah, present and future. Great take on on Frost and Nebraska and the situation. That'll take us to Saturday and Nebraska about a touchdown favorite. Uh, Coach Bielema and Illinois uh, have have some talent. It'll be an unknown because you're trying to prep for what Bielema may, may do and Nebraska's uh, trying to to get off on the right foot, generate some momentum here. Uh, before uh, things kick off in two weeks in Lincoln, and how how um, a how interested are you in this game? I mean, it's it's a Power Five showdown, and B, you know what what are some things you think happen? I mean, give me a little bit of a prediction here with uh, with with Saturday and what you think Nebraska does or or doesn't do uh, as uh, we transition this talking season into actual season uh, on Coach Frost and his team. Yeah, well, let me first clarify that I have spent the last, I don't know, half year focused on Alabama as I've been writing this Exactly. Yes. I mean, I don't even know that I'm as dialed into the rest of the SEC as I normally am, much less the rest of the country. So, uh, so I'll go ahead and put that asterisk next to this before I say anything. Uh, but um, it's funny, you know, when you, you say, you know, we're not really sure what Illinois is going to do. Um, at any point in Brett Bielema's career, I, I – think we wouldn't have questioned what he would do, which is he's going to try to line up and run the ball. And, he's still and if I remember correctly, <laughs> Illinois ran for about a mile and a half on Nebraska last year. So I don't know how many of those guys are coming back, but if there's a, you know, a decent number of them, you would think the strategy is the same. It, you know, it's, it's just making Nebraska prove that they figured out how to stop it. Um, you know, I'm kind of fascinated by how the, the feel of the thing is going to go you know, moving forward, maybe not year one, but uh, during, um, you know, during the time that he's kind of been out of coaching, uh, it hasn't been that long, but there have been some significant changes in the sport as far as, you know, the way that the, the wide open passing game is developed. Now, for a long time, that was the deal in the Big 12, but most of the rest of the country hadn't really jumped on board. Now, so many teams are, you know, they've just, they're so committed to the passing game. And we've seen, you know, the, the very best teams in the country embrace it to the point where I don't think you can win a national championship or maybe even win a conference championship in a, in a Power Five league anymore un, unless you are very productive through the air. And it, and it just makes me wonder, you know, has he taken those last few years to say, okay, I've got to make some changes to my philosophy. Are we going to see Illinois – not look like what we would expect, you know, an, an Illinois and a Brett Bielema coach team to look like. I, I, I think I think that's going to be really fascinating to watch over the next couple of years. What do you think of Adrian Martinez here? What do you think? Uh, he's had good good games against Illinois. Uh, he's also uh, noted to, to himself and and others take care of the football. So. Uh, what what's a year four Adrian look like here with with potentially some more help around him similar to his freshman year? Well, 
Yeah, and and you and I have been talking about this uh, since before he played his first game, mm-hmm. and you know just the the importance of being able to establish him as a runner, and and while that doesn't need to be the entire offense, I think it's very important um, that that they can do that. And, and obviously, he's had injuries over the years that have kept him from you know from being able to to be consistent in that area. And I still think that that's important. Um, you know that if, if if he's going to be the guy, then that's going to have to be a, a part of this offense uh, that every opponent's going to need to respect. And so I think it just kind of starts there. Can you establish that? You know, and then uh, you know after that, Chris, I think what's really difficult for I think everyone around the country is, is to decide what do we make of 2020. You know, because especially in a conference like the Big Ten or the Pac-12, where they didn't play as many games as some of the other leagues, and maybe played half of what they would in normal season, how do you try to uh, extract some of that and make a, a judgment as to whether a, you know a quarterback showed you something, or I mean, just a, a, a team, a unit, like like what did anyone do last year that you think that you can really you know use as a basis to determine? Um, what they're going to be this year. I, I think it's really fascinating whether you're talking about a player, an offense, or a defense, or an entire team. Um, and so, you know, even though there, there might have been a lot of negatives from last year, to a certain extent, I think you can just throw it out. It was just it was a weird season. Um, maybe there was something there that was telling, but also it's possible that there wasn't. You know, that it was it, that it just was what it was, and and you know, close the book on it and throw it away. And so I. I think they're going to be a whole lot of teams that um, are going to be either overrated or underrated coming into this year based on people trying to draw conclusions from a small sample uh, from a year ago. And, and I think a lot of people are going to be bitten by that. So, I mean, look, Nebraska fans can only hope that's true because, um, because for you know, a good, good portion of what they did last year, they didn't look that great. Brad, real quick, a prediction, bud. What do you think happened Saturday yeah, you know, I hadn't looked at the lines, and I was a I was a little surprised when you said that Nebraska is favored by that much because um, this this kind of feels like a toss up game to me. Um, I, I I think um, Nebraska was favored last year, and I, I think I remember telling you I had I had heard a couple of people who covered the Big Ten on a podcast uh, just were all aligned in picking Illinois, even though Nebraska was favored. So I, I don't, I don't know here. I mean, this, this one, like I said, it feel it feels like a toss up. Um, uh, I am, I don't know if you want, if you want a prediction, let me just, uh, let me, let me pick Illinois and that way everyone can be upset, uh, <laughs> you know, at, at me and, and proud of the Huskers if they win. Um, I'm going I'm to try to just, you know, temper expectations a little bit. <laughs> I think in the Illinois. Well, Does that help you? No, that's fine. <laughs> so you're going to say Illinois and and uh, outright win or just the cover? <laughs> no, no, outright win. I mean, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I thought you were I, saying cover. I come back to, like, once again, look, I, I don't know what they have coming back. Okay. 17 it, plus. They, they've, they've got a bunch of super seniors back. Okay. Then, 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 then my same question applies. Like, can, can Nebraska stop it? They couldn't stop it last year. You know, you got a coach who wants to run the ball. Um, I, I want, I want to see Nebraska stop Illinois from running the ball before I'm going to, you know, pick Nebraska in this matchup. Totally fair. Totally fair. That's uh, an area of improvement. It's time to prove it, though. Is that defense and that run defense? Brad, enjoy uh, your time again. Uh, as uh, folks, one more time, the, the book title, friend. 
Uh, Dynasty by the Numbers. And uh, you can be uh, found only on uh, on my website, which is BamaDynastyBook.com. And uh, I guess Nebraska fans are not going to want to go there and purchase it now that I just Please. picked against them. Hey. But such is life. Pick, uh, pick up Brad's book and uh, check it out. Brad, <laughs> you take care, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care, guys. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on City Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Hey, we are back. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, it's not quite 106 miles from Chicago. Uh, it's still light outside. There's no cigarettes in the vehicle uh, and no Elwood or Jake. But Hale Varsity Roadshow is where, uh, Elijah, I think about six miles from, from Champaign. We're kind of here on the outskirts of Champaign, uh, probably where a lot of the coaches live, one of the higher-end uh, areas. And uh, we're about ready to make uh, that final destination, Roadie, and, and get here to uh, to get ready for Nebraska football 2021. Busy show. Uh, we have Brandon Vogel with us, HaleVarsity.com, and magazine managing editor and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues are reconnected. How you doing? Two miles. Tickets at 179. I'm There I got you. There I got you. No, this has been interesting. Uh, it's been a while since I've crossed the Mississippi, but I'm pretty wowed by it. Is that the, the gap that still exists between Nebraska and Illinois, despite close ball games and a loss last year? How are you feeling about uh, about Saturday? Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite that wide for me. Uh, you know, based on last year, Nebraska's moved the ball pretty well all three games against against Illinois, but also eight turnovers over the past two games. So, you know, it's kind of uh, standard operating procedure a little bit. We'll see if they've got some of those parts of it cleaned up. I mean, there is still a gap there. It's just not not as big as I think anybody in red would like. I totally agree with you. Uh, Illinois is a lot of times out physical Nebraska. That's one of many things I'm looking forward to on Saturday as it's uh, the first uh, road trip of the year, Hale Varsity Roadshow. You know, I think Nebraska has, has made a point to be physical on the lines of scrimmage. That's how you win in the Big Ten. They've made a point to get bigger bodies and then keep that athleticism. Do you, uh, do you feel like Nebraska can be the more physical football team on Saturday. Is that one of your keys as, as you watch this game? Yeah, it's, it's up there. Um, and, you know, we've heard talk from, from both coaches on the line about uh, improved depth, which I think, I think could factor in on Saturday. It's going to be warm. Um, and I like Nebraska's ability to, to run the football. Um, it, it's kind of a test of patience, uh, you know, the, the, the old school Nebraska way of can you can you stick to that? Do you get tempted to you know try and try and go a little too quick? And a lot of that comes down to to score and, and who starts fast, which which can be a pretty big thing in these week zero or week one games even. 
Uh, Brandon, we have a pretty good idea of who's going to be starting in four spots along the offensive line. Who I think that's the position group that's really got to set the tone with, with being physical on Saturday. But we're still unsure in that left tackle spot. Uh, Turner Corcoran was the presumed starter, but he's been dealing with injuries in recent weeks. Uh, so Brant Banks might have to step up and be that left tackle. Uh, how confident do you think these Husker coaches are and the guys that are behind the starters in the offensive line to be able to step up uh, and be not only good enough, but, uh, but better than this Illinois team and good enough to, uh, to set the tone offensively? Yeah, I, I think there's a good deal of confidence if uh, if Brand Banks is where they have to go, uh, a guy who's been in the program quite a while, and you know we'll see. I mean, that left tackle spot's not easy. You know, there's there's a reason those guys make a, make a lot of money in the pros. Uh, so even you know uh, with Corker in there, who I you know like everybody else, get in line in terms of. Uh, buying stock in him and his potential, but it's still, you know, he played that one Rutgers game, so there's a lot of new there, and this Illinois team in the past has been one that can get after the passer pretty well, and and a lot of those guys are back. Um, Owen Carney Jr. looks like an NFL, you know, edge rusher, so it's going to be a challenge no matter who's out there. I think if if Brant Banks is the one who has to go, though, Nebraska Nebraska will be okay, and I have a pretty good high or pretty high confidence level in him as well. Brandon Vogel is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, previewing Nebraska, Illinois, the Hail Varsity Roadshow, pulling into Champaign. We are going to be at Houlihan's tomorrow, four to six in the I Hotel, and uh, our roadshow powered by our friends at Ferris Financial Group and Arrow Capital. So, Vogues, so do you Vogue. do you expect do you expect any any uh, trickery from the Illini defensively? Uh, we had a uh, an Illinois expert on a little earlier that says maybe look for some three man front to to use some of those athletes off the edge. Uh, you touched on on Carney, of course, big physical dude off the edge. But do you think that's going to be part of Bielema's, you know, hand of cards, so to speak, to 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 stunt, to to send four to five to? I mean, just really try and and blow up any sort of rhythm offensively for Nebraska. Nebraska can line up and just run downhill or try to. I get that, but as far as the the full array of what they want to do offensively. You think Bielema tries to counter with that with some with some pressures? I, I think so. I think you'll definitely see see that part of this because I mean, one, it's an advantage that Illinois has. Like you can go back and watch, you know, Missouri film and and whatever else, but it, it, it's still until you get out there and see it. Um, You've got that that edge of just the mystery of of a new coaching staff and new schemes and new minds coming together. So, you know, you have that part of it. But that's also kind of the book a little bit on defending Adrian Martinez. You you mix up the the looks, uh, you try to throw different things, and you ask him to be consistent in his ability to kind of read the field and use this full complement of receivers. So, yeah, it seems it seems very likely that I think Illinois is going to throw everything it possibly can uh, at Nebraska and you know, may not do it too early on either. It, it all depends on kind of how that first quarter goes. I mean, that first quarter feels vital in this one. Vogues, uh, both these teams really seem confident in their quarterbacks. Uh, that, that really wasn't the case last year uh, with Brandon Peters coming off of COVID and Adrian Martinez uh, locked in a position battle with Luke. Luke actually started that game against Illinois. Uh, do you feel like uh, 
Nebraska has the upper hand in terms of quarterback play. I mean, Brandon Peters, former high-caliber recruit, went to Michigan. Um, but Adrian has been the, the chosen quarterback for this team. Do you think Nebraska's got the leg up from the quarterback position? I, I think so. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's probably not a huge gap. Though you look across the Big Ten right now, and it's it's not a year where you say, like, oh, well, there's your top three, and then you've got a job. You kind of got a little bit of a jumble in terms of trying to power rank the presumed starter across the league. If Adrian Martinez, like he did, you know, over the back half of the season, so basically after that Illinois game, uh, starting with Iowa, yeah, he's probably, I mean, he's on discussion for me uh, of the top two quarterbacks in, in Big Ten. That said, Brandon Beaters played really, really well against Nebraska last year, coming off of the being out for three weeks. And the Illinois' new offensive coordinator uh, is, is kind of known as, as being pretty good with quarterbacks. So I think Illinois is pretty comfortable there. They were comfortable enough to move Isaiah Williams, you know, the, the dual threat guy who, who started some games last year when Peters was out. Uh, to move him to wide receiver full time, so I think they think they have something there with with Peters, and he's he's been a steady presence for them. Brandon Vogel is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, you find Vogues on Twitter at Brandon L Vogel. Read him with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Vogues, what what's a number for for the Nebraska defense rushing? What what is that that tally that total? that they need to keep the Illini run attack at or below to, to make things even more difficult for Peters? Four, probably. Um, and, you know, I, I think that I think the number Nebraska's defense is going to flirt with this year in terms of um, rushing yards allowed um, per, per play there and, and might even be under that. Like, I, I think they have a chance to be really, really good against the rush. Um, Illinois in past with their, their previous offensive scheme, you know, did a really good job of kind of getting the outside and, and outflanking Nebraska last year. So you can watch for that. Um, you know, obviously Bila knows his way around a run game as well. Uh, so, so that factors in, but overall my kind of long-term outlook for Nebraska's run defense I think it's going to be a strength, and I think it's going to be what they lean on. Uh, the big thing for me early on, especially, will be, can you, you know, looking at Nebraska's pass defense last year, I need to see a little bit more. Uh, you've got a veteran group. One of your best players on the team is back there in the secondary. It, it needs to look a little better. You get into a, a, a week one scenario or a season opener scenario, I guess, um, things can just get a little bit loose, especially early on as everybody is kind of getting used to playing football again. So wouldn't surprise me at all if Illinois got off to a little bit of a fast start. Brandon, on the, on the flip side of things, uh, at least on the other side of the ball, Nebraska's run game, we're not sure who the starting running back is going to be, but Schmidt and I have a stake and a beer bet going for who takes the first snap at running back. Uh, he's got, uh, let's see, you got Sevian Morrison. I have Gabe Irvin. Uh, do you want to call your shot? Who is going to be taking that first snap at running back for Nebraska? And also, who's going to lead the Huskers in rushing on Saturday? I would take Morrison in the the first carry bet. I'd probably take him in the lead the team in rushing either, although 
you got to factor in Martinez. Uh, that, can, that can also be in play. But, yeah, I think Morrison takes the first running back carry. I think he's the most versatile of that group, um, a, a, you know, kind of a classic three-down back that you can leave out there and do most things with. Uh, so, so that would be my pick there. Vogue's about a minute here. Uh, I thought as far as Omar Manning, uh, just some smoke with him. I thought on, on how – I guess important he is to the offense on Saturday, his his role. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to play a lot of wide receivers, so it's it, and we haven't seen a ton of them in Nebraska uniforms yet, uh, kind of across the board. So it's hard for me to put too much weight on on any one guy, but you can just look at him and kind of see his stature um, and, and the potential ability. And, yeah, it'd be nice for this offense to be able to, um, to, be able to use that at some point. If he's not able to go, um, you know, I, I think they'll be okay. But you'd rather have him than not. Brandon Vogel. Vogues, we'll check in Saturday with a prediction. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow as we are ready for Nebraska, Illinois. Saturday in Champaign here at Schmitty, Elijah Herbal, and the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, Vison Sports Network, his show Rush Hour, six to seven weeknights all over the country, and you can hear him on the iHeart Media app. Pride of Chicago, you got that big red flag uh, waving, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I got to put it up still, you know. I guess it depends <laughs> how they do uh, week zero versus uh, Illinois here. No, but. Uh, Look, Schmitty, I'm excited. I mean, obviously, we're covering all the Week Zero games on the show throughout this week and a little bit of a tease for Week 1, but I'm pumped. We're not only kicking off the Nebraska season with some Big Ten action, but the college football season in general. So uh, I'm going to be probably heading down to a Nebraska bar here in the city to watch the game, and hopefully I can sport the red color with pride. You uh, pour yourself a cold one and hang on. Is is that the uh, is that the prescription here? Uh, what do you what do you make of this here? Six and a half, seven and a half, somewhere in between. We'll see where it's at before kickoff Saturday morning. But as you view it now, what's your impression here? What what are some things you think you know? And uh, we'll get the the prediction here in a minute. But I'm I'm interested to to see. How your feelings are? Are you are you nervous for Nebraska? Are you confident in Nebraska, or do you think it's jet sweep city all over again? It's it's tough because originally Schmitty, you know, you look at U of I and you realize all the turnover they have, and you think, all right, that's the game Nebraska should win, and obviously that's still the case. But when you've seen this line move nine and a half is what it opened at, and now you saw it go down as you alluded to as far as six and a half. It slowly crept back towards seven or so right around there. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't really be rushing to lay the nine in the hook immediately with Nebraska in this game on the road with the new coach, a lot of turnover, you know, all those kind of weird things could certainly be a factor in this game. But, you know, if this line goes back down to six and a half, if it gets under the key number of seven, I'd be inclined actually to look toward Nebraska. And if it's at seven, it's probably more so a stay away, more so an in-game type of betting 
betting angle for myself. But at the end of the day, I think this line may get down too much to the point where it's almost like you're getting a buy low spot on the Huskers. So that's why I think in some spots when it went to six and a half, you saw it go back to seven. So if you're able to find a six and a half, you know, the unbiased non-homer of me thinks that you're getting a premium price for this Nebraska team that is more talented, Schmitty. And realistically, this is a huge game for the Huskers, right? I mean, not only for the Huskers, for Scott Frost to get things kicked off this season. Last year was kind of an anomaly for everybody. But this is like everything coming together for this program. Now, defensively, there's a lot of expectations. Offensively, you know, you and I have stressed the concerns that we have, or at least personally myself. But I do think Nebraska gets the job done. If it's at seven, I'm probably staying away six and a half. Might flirt with laying it. Even more so, Schmitty, I think an angle that could be worth playing potentially would be to look for the first half with Nebraska. Because of that turnover with the fighting Illini, it may take a little bit longer for this team to get acclimated. Whereas with Nebraska, you got a veteran-laden squad that knows what they're ready to do. And you can get this number at about three and a half. And honestly, I think that's a pretty solid bargain for this Huskers team that has got off to hot starts in the first half in the past. We've seen that happen. And the problem that has been occurring is closing these games, these close games you're supposed to beat against these inferior opponents. So realistically, I wouldn't mind looking at Nebraska first half. And if it's under seven, I would probably lay with Nebraska. Danny Burks with us, Pride of Chicago. Burks, best bets. Danny's dimes, as you hear him with the VEASAN Sports Network, Monday through Friday, rush hour, 6 to 7 Central. And, of course, iHeartMedia is also where you can hear Danny. So, you know, Nebraska, I I tend to think Nebraska's got a great, you know, business trip approach. There's a lot of naysaying going on. They still got to go do it. And you're right about the closing part. But I think uh, the, the attitude is is one of let's inflict some pain versus taking punches. And Nebraska's taken a lot of punches from Illinois, and they've handed the football out 11 turnovers the last three uh, three ball games combined for Nebraska. What do you think about the over-unders? Does this thing turn into a shootout, or is it something that's uh, uh, right around that 55, 55-and-a-half number? Yeah, the total I've kind of been going back and forth with Smitty, I I don't really have that much conviction one way or the other. We saw this one kind of open right around that similar spot as you were alluding to, right around like uh, 55, excuse me, creeping up to 55 and a half at some spots. But honestly, if you think that Nebraska's defense does take that step forward and there is going to be some slow kind of getting adjusted to uh, with the new program with Illinois, then I probably would lean toward the under in this spot because, again, you know, Nebraska, we're expecting them to have this great offense under Scott Frost with Adrian Martinez, and that really hasn't been the case in terms of, the, of a consistent basis. And being week zero, you know, it's going to be rusty for both teams. But overall, I would probably trend to it being a little bit more low scoring, if anything. Again, I don't have as much confidence one way or the other in terms of the total. But if I had to play it, I think you go under in this spot, especially more so if you think Nebraska is going to win this game and can win by at least a touchdown or so. I think this game trends to look under, whereas if Illinois is winning this game, I think it could be more of a shootout type of atmosphere. What's, a, what's an in-game number you're interested in? Is it, is it rushing yards? Is it quarterback runs? Is there any props out there that, Danny, you're, you're circling and, and going to jump all over? 
So haven't seen any props necessarily yet. College is usually, you know, pretty slim with the prop selection you get, especially if it's not a marquee game. But in terms of in-game betting, Schmitty, you know, again, I think Nebraska is the better team in this game and will get the job done. Will it be pretty? Well, you know Nebraska, realistically, probably not. So if, if U of I gets out to an early lead or if they're keeping it close or something to where you could just get a better number than the original spread of about six and a half or seven, then I think – you have a good opportunity to jump in on the Huskers because this is a huge game and it's a revenge game. They got embarrassed at home. They've had success in the past in Champaign against the Fighting Illini. There'll probably be some point where you see Brett Bielema have some good schemes and, you know, this U of I team will have some momentum. But at the end of the day, the talent is going to overweigh on the side of Nebraska. So if it looks like Illinois is keeping it close, don't just steer away from thinking Nebraska can't win the game, look to bet a better number for it and take advantage of it. If you can get it under, you know, maybe a four or under a three, then, then you could even probably lay more for the money line as well. Just more bets that if you have the patience, you're understanding the momentum of the game and you trust this program with the better talent, that you can also make a profit in this matchup. Danny Burks with us, Sprite of Chicago, Burks Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 On Twitter is where you follow him and can watch some of Danny's work. Any other game here real quick, week zero, that you're, uh, you're interested in or maybe it's kind of peaked your radar? So in terms of week zero, I haven't gone too crazy, but I will say some people that we've had on the show that are pretty respected handicappers this past week, uh, they're eyeing UTEP in this spot. They're around a 10-point favorite now. If you can get them at 10 or even 9.5, I think laying uh, the juice there with UTEP as the road favorite against New Mexico State could be a viable option. Not too much love UCLA Hawaii-wise. I'm not infatuated with laying that big of a spread in week zero, despite UCLA you know, being the better team is what we're assuming in this matchup. San Jose State, again, a team that should have a lot of offense but don't want to lay upwards to 22.5. That one may be like a team total kind of look with their total going over. But aside from that, in week zero, I do think UTEP would probably be the only other selection that I would dabble with. Danny Burke with us. Danny, uh, enjoy. Pour a cold one. And uh, where are you red, man? Where are you red? And I may text you at midnight from Champagne on Saturday <laughs> needing bail. Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's what I'm expecting, Schmitty. If that's not happening, then you have failed your job going to Champagne this weekend. Sports the squad appropriately, Schmitty. We'll be rooting for you and the team. All right, man. Well, Daddy, best to you. Thanks so much. Daddy Burke, Pride of Chicago. Daddy's Dimes, Burke's Best Bets. And uh, VEASAN Sports Network. Daddy, we'll talk next week, bud. Thanks again. Sounds good, my man. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Oh, it is fair season, and it's time for Home Innovation Spas. Deb the Spa Lady with us, 20th and Highway 2, off Industrial Road in Omaha, and, of course, in, uh, in, in central Nebraska at the fair. Deb, what's up? Well, the fair, that's what's up. We have been so excited because we're back at the Nebraska State Fair as a sponsor. This is our 30th year at the fair. So... We are excited. We're doing great deals. We actually have spas in stock. So it truly is first come, first serve. And uh, come out and see us. If you can't make it to the fair, come see us at our stores in both Lincoln and Omaha. 
and uh, get a great deal and get a spa in that backyard for this fall. Deb, you talk about fair pricing, 30 years. You've always been fair, but you can really be fair at the fair. Does that make sense? That makes, we are the fairest at the fair, (laughs) for sure. So come see us. It's the time. And, you know, most places you go, you're a year out before you get a spa. So uh, we have made some great deals with our manufacturers, and they've supplied us with spas. So that's good for our customers. They can take advantage of it. You know what, Deb? That is so great. You, you, I mean, and you packed up a, a ton of spas and, and headed to, to, you headed west, didn't you? We sure did. We had three truckloads. So that's a lot of hot tubs. So, uh, But, you know, those are going to go so fast because everybody's going to hear, oh, my gosh, hot Home Innovations has the tubs. We can get them immediately or very quickly. So, you know, be, don't, don't, don't wait. Don't think, oh, I'll go out later. No, you need to come now. Deb, the spa lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road, Omaha, spasonline.com. But go see her. Go see the incredible display at the Nebraska State Fair, the Home Innovations set up. And Deb, I can't, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you got a corn dog in one hand, a cheese stick in the other, and you're in a hot tub relaxing. I know, isn't that just that's the ultimate for sure. <laughs> well, Deb, we will see you out uh, at the Nebraska State Fair again. Home Innovation Spas on site at the Nebraska State Fair. Deb, uh, folks can bring you corn dogs. You take corn dogs, correct? You bet. And we, we might even do a corn dog special if you bring me one. Thanks so much, Deb. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Big thanks to uh, Deb, the spa lady, for joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And a special thank you to all the guests that joined us here on this Thursday edition as we wrap it up. If you missed any of the interviews, we had Danny Burke about 15 minutes ago, uh, as well as Brandon Vogel this hour and Brad Edwards. Last hour, we had Matthew Stevens from Illini Guys, as well as Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Uh, Just a completely loaded show today. If you missed any of the interviews, they're going to be available after the show. ESPNLincoln.com, the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page, or the full show available in podcast form. Uh, Hail Varsity's YouTube page, or uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can find the Hail Varsity radio show on there. Uh, the definitive source of Husker Nation as a Chris Schmidt on the road out in Champaign. Going to have some fun shows coming up this weekend as Chris out in Champaign again tomorrow, as well as the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio for our local listeners from 7 to 9 on Saturday morning. And uh, the Real Red Reaction Show here on ESPN Lincoln that's also going to be live streamed on the ESPN Lincoln Facebook page for anyone uh, not in the city of Lincoln that wishes to listen to uh, the Real Red Reaction Show coming up shortly following the conclusion of Nebraska-Illinois on on Saturday as uh, just pumped up to get this uh, Nebraska season under the way. We got more Hail Varsity Radio coming at it, coming at you tomorrow, 4 to 6. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio is presented by the Nebraska Lottery.